friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the November 16th edition of the sunny side of sports with only four days until the kickoff of football's premier event in Qatar. I'm joined once again by my VOA colleague, Muck Bill Yabaro, for some World Cup analysis. Sporty World Cup greetings, Muck Bill. Sporty World Cup greetings to you too, Sonny. Muck Bill, the Atlas Lions of Morocco are in Group F in Qatar, along with Canada, Croatia, and Belgium. And speaking of Belgium, Muck Bill... I understand the youngest player on Morocco's World Cup team was born in Belgium. Can you tell us about that talented teenager and other players to watch for Morocco? Sonny, as you mentioned, Bilal is an unbelievable talent at just 18 years old. To get the call to play on the biggest stage in the world shows how bright this kid's future is. We will see what the youngster will do in the midfielder position and maybe help the Atlas Lions push through the group. The choice of best player on this side, in my opinion, would be Ashraf Hakimi. The PSG right wing will be a key to holding down the defense for the Moroccan side. Lastly, I'll have to put in the goalkeeper Yassine Banu, who also plays for Seville and has been extremely efficient for the club and was awarded the Zamora Trophy. Muckbill, Morocco will kick off its World Cup campaign on November 23rd when it plays Croatia, a finalist at the 2018 World Cup. How do you see that match and Morocco's chances against Belgium and Canada? Sonny, I will have to say that Morocco finds themselves in another tough group, but all you can do is play your style and try to limit mistakes. As for Croatia's matchup, the obvious player to watch would be captain Luka Modric. Even at his age of 37, he still has a lot to offer his side with his experience and his play. The favorites in the group are Belgium, but Croatia is a close second and Canada is no slouch either. It'll be a fun group to watch nonetheless, Sonny. Muckbill, what is Morocco's history at previous World Cups? Sonny, the Atlas Lions have made it to the World Cup six times, starting in 1970, 1986, 1994, 1998, 2018, and this year, 2022. They've only made it out of the group stage one time in 1986, where they lost to West Germany 1-0. Hopefully, they'll have better luck this year. Muckbill, like Tunisia, Morocco is an Arab-speaking country. Can that be to its advantage in terms of comfort and acclimating at the World Cup in Arab-speaking Qatar? That's a very, very good question, Sonny. It all depends on what the players will find comfort in, I guess. If the environment can factor into it, then I'm sure it'll help them. But ultimately, they'll be playing on that pitch by themselves. Muckbill, if we look at football in general in Morocco, the country has really been at the forefront in Africa recently, especially in the women's game. Morocco just hosted the eight-team CAF Women's Champions League 
And in July, Morocco staged the Women's Africa Cup of Nations Tournament. Morocco will also host the 2024 Women's Africa Cup of Nations. Muckbill, how important is a good performance by the Atlas Lions in Qatar to continued football development in Morocco? Sonny, I feel like the Atlas Lions have been playing stellar football for years, but they don't always show that skill on a global level. I think they have a great shot at shocking this group, but it is important not to get ahead of themselves. They have to take it one half at a time and not think too far ahead. Playing each match as it is, I think that'll give them the best shot at success. Also, just making it to a World Cup where the likes of Italy are not in it is huge, regardless if they win their group or not. That's it from me, Sonny. Back to you. Thanks, Muckbill. That's my VOA colleague, Muckbill Yabaro, speaking with us here in Washington. Hey, football fans, FIFA's World Cup 2022 kicks off in Qatar in just a few days. Join Sonny Young and myself, Muckbill Yabaro, every weekend on Nightline Africa when we bring you On Goal with Sonny and Muckbill. We will bring you everything World Cup related. Tune in starting Saturday. Thanks again, Muckbill. More World Cup news. Former Nigerian international Jonathan Akpaborie is tipping African champion Senegal and the Atlas Lions of Morocco as having the best chance among the African teams of advancing to the knockout stage. In an interview with Iron Mike and Bonye, Akpaborie praised Senegal's football development during the past 10 years. We always have quality players, but the ones that stand out in this in this World Cup would be uh, the Senegalese. Um, they've, they've done... Um, they've done their homework very well. The academies that they've built in the last in the last decade has really, really paid off um, in producing the likes of Mani, um, um, Kulibali, the defender, and and the rest players. So, you know, they've really they've really worked hard for it, and you know, we can see the dividends. Um, I really hope for the kind of investment they've made in the last decade that they would really go um, at this World Cup. Uh, the recent injury to Mane is, is scary. We are all waiting because we really want, them, want to see them perform because they've reinvested in the last decade. Some football fans believe that the five African teams going to the World Cup are underdogs and cannot make it from their groups. What's your take on this? Well, I believe in a World Cup, um, in a World Cup tournament, that African teams are always, they've always been the underdog, you know, from time immemorial. And um, that tag will always be there until one African country would eventually prove and win the World Cup for everybody to see. Um, so it's, um, it's pretty obvious that... Um, the African countries would be uh, the underdog, or mostly would be the underdogs of the tournament. But uh, it depends on what surprise they have in stock for the world to see. Jonathan, among the five African teams, which one do you tip to go far at the World Cup? I have to pick Senegal again and, and Morocco because um, the Senegalese group are 
uh, in Group A with Qatar, Ecuador, and uh, and Holland. Um, that's that's a group that you know we can actually say the Senegalese would would qualify from. Um, for Morocco, um, the I, I I think it is going to be very difficult for them because they are in that group with Belgium and and, and Croatia, Ghana. Ghana, on, on the other hand, you know, they have Portugal and Uruguay. But they are formidable opponents. Um, for Cameroon, I, I, I don't see, I don't see um, uh, a possibility, even though, you know, uh, as an African, I still want them to do well. They are in the same group with, uh, with Brazil that are always formidable in, 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 in a World Cup. Switzerland, uh, they've really, really done well in the uh, European Cup and qualifiers of the World Cup. And they also have a friend of mine that I played together with as, as coach, Murati Akin. So I, 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 I think it has to be Senegal because uh, in that group, they have a more a more um, a more lenient group and uh, I, I i think they would be the most favorites to actually go far in this world cup for africa that's jonathan akpaborie a former player on nigeria's national men's football team the super eagles and jonathan spoke with iron mike Mbonye on the telephone from the eastern u.s state of maryland sporty greetings this is Sunday Olise, former captain and coach of the Super Eagles of Nigeria. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. It is the biggest sports event of the year. The 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Join VOA to celebrate Africa's king sport. In-depth coverage, pre- and post-game analysis, breakout stars, Cinderella teams, coaches, players... And let's not forget the fans from the four corners of the continent and from the city of Doha. We'll be there throughout the competition. Don't miss the fun with Team VOA Africa. Let's experience the magic of football together. More World Cup news. Generation Amazing Foundation is a FIFA World Cup legacy initiative established by Qatar as the social impact arm of the World Cup. Using the power of sports for social change, the foundation aims to tackle issues such as gender equality within football, youth development, and health. This includes setting up 36 training pitches, 140 schools, and four Generation Amazing community clubs across the world. The foundation has reached 1 million beneficiaries around the world since its inception, including in Qatar, India, Haiti, Rwanda, Argentina, Uganda, and Nepal. Generation Amazing has partnered with UNHCR and education above all to deliver a sports for protection project across Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, and Chad. For more insight, VOA's Lenore Madu spoke with Nasser Alkori, executive director of the Generation Amazing Foundation. 
we initially started Generation Amazing in 2010 at the, at the very early stages of the bid for the World Cup uh, because we had a different uh, vision for legacy. We didn't want to host a mega sporting event and not to have a legacy or to fall into other traps of some countries that you know think about legacy host events. We focus on the human and, and the kind of the, um, the social uh, legacy component. We use sports for youth development. Uh, we embed different life skills. We promote uh, UN Sustainable Development Goals. We create inclusive and cohesive societies uh, through our programs and interventions. Tell us about um, how football can be used effectively as a pathway for development. Since the beginning of the pandemic, we transitioned to deliver all our football for development coach education uh, units online that's accessible by any community coach anywhere in the world with an internet connection. We're very excited to, to be launching our uh, uh, first Generation Amazing Community Club this year in, in, in Africa. It's our first project in Africa. It's in Rwanda, it's an hour away from Kigali, but it's in partnership with the Ministry of Sports and the National Rehabilitation Center that sits under the government of Rwanda. But basically it's an orphanage. There's a lot of uh, young boys that have uh, different issues, they live under bridges and in the streets, and so the government basically puts them through rehab. And we've complemented that program with a football for development uh, or sports for development, let's say, aspects. So we've built a football pitch, we've built a volleyball pitch and a basketball court as well. Um, and then obviously we have a train-the-trainer model. We are training, you know, a, a group of trainers uh, from Kigali to be able to go to the to the community club and be able to deliver sessions where they can, they can talk about gender equality, uh, social cohesion, different issues around race, around peace. We believe that football is is a platform, and you know whether it's it's used to play sports, which is amazing, and we do that, you know. But we can also do more uh, more than just kick a ball. We empower the coaches and we train them how to deal with difficult situations and conversations. At Generation Amazing, we conduct an, a, a very thorough needs analysis to understand the specific needs and the complex issues of the community. We then, based on that, design the interventions and the programs that will tackle those social issues. So how would you assess the, the implementation of the program since it was first launched? Overall, do you feel like a lot has been done in terms of either your initial goals? We're very close to hitting our target and, you know, this target is only the beginning for me because I just feel like everything we're going to do is going to be after World Cup. We are a foundation that will go beyond the World Cup. We are the legacy of the World Cup. Now we're looking at expanding the units to involve other partners that we work with. We've designed a um, hybrid curriculum. It's called Youth as Agents of Behavioral Change. So how youths themselves and their community can be agents of change. There's a training that we created around this where we worked in Iraq, Uganda, Myanmar, and Argentina with the national societies, the Red Cross and the Red Crescent. Again, sports is great, but let's not also forget about the other side of sports, the culture, skills, the things that you can embed and, and, and promote through the match itself. So if you were to kind of summarize some takeaways uh, with regards to Generation Amazing, what would you say are perhaps the takeaway, the message, or looking forward? Creating a more peaceful world through football, I, I would say, is, is kind of the dream. And I think that's not, it's not impossible. We need a lot of partners and we need support from the FIFA for legends and people like David Beckham, who's one of our ambassadors, and from football clubs. But we also need support from teachers and schools and parents and students. So it's a whole ecosystem, I think.
So Nasser, I cannot let you go without asking you this. What should we expect during the World Cup in Qatar? There's a lot of elements around this World Cup that makes it very unique. Uh, the, the, the fact that all the stadiums are within a 60 kilometer radius, that means you can observe more than two matches per day. You don't have to get uh, on, on a plane to travel from one city to another city, which also the national teams, by the way, they love the fact that they can all stay in one accommodation rather than moving around the country, which is a unique and has never been happened before. But also generally from a fan experience, I think, first of all, the culture. I mean, the Middle Eastern culture uh, is very diverse let alone within the Gulf states, there's so many different uh, cultures. I feel like fans will be super excited. And I hope, you know, the fans that do come out to Doha and, you know, come back and visit post-World Cup as well. That's Nasser Al-Khori, executive director of the Generation Amazing Foundation, speaking via Skype from New York with VOA's Lenore Madu. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel, host of Encounter. Next up, two years after a so-called military operation morphed into a civil war, the African Union brokered a ceasefire between Addis Ababa and representatives of the Tigray region. We talked with two former ambassadors to Ethiopia to evaluate the sustainability of the ceasefire as well as to take stock of the humanitarian and economic toll the war has taken on the people of Ethiopia. That's Encounter, Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Hi, this is Larry London, the host of VOA's Border Crossings, where we feature music and interviews along with your favorite artists from around the world. Tune in and interact live with us here in Washington, D.C. Hello, Shirin. Hello, Larry. How are you? Good. How are you tonight? Border Crossings comes to you Monday through Friday at 1500 UTC GMT. Thanks, Larry. That's Larry London, a man who's always ready to cross musical borders. I encourage our sunny side of sports listeners to follow me on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. Once again, that address, facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. Once again, my Twitter handle, at VOA Sunny Sports. Just ahead, the AP's Chuck Freeman with some American sports news. And Chuck says he'll be tipping off with U.S. college basketball. College basketball season is about a week old. Two massive games on Tuesday night in Indianapolis saw Michigan State outlast fourth-ranked Kentucky 86-77 in double overtime. Coach Tom Izzo Spartans excelled in the OT. It's about what you do at the end, and uh, I'm so proud of my staff. There were some great out-of-bounds plays. Um some incredible full court and half court and everybody kind of uh, put a little bit into it. While six-ranked Kansas powered past number seven Duke 69-64 using a late 15-5 run to erase the Blue Devils' five-point lead. The top five in the college football playoff rankings stayed the same. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU round out the top four. 
Tennessee remains in contention, despite the one loss, the Vols are fifth. In the NBA, C.J. McCollum broke out of a shooting slump to score 30 points, and New Orleans knocked off Memphis 113-102. The Dallas Mavericks blew a 25-point lead, but came back to win 103-101 over the L.A. Clippers. Luka Doncic with 35. I think we got to learn, especially the third quarter. You know, we, we've been blowing leads. We know for that, though. Uh, we got to learn how not to blow leads, you know, play the same way. Portland beat San Antonio 117-110. Terrence Davis had 31 for the Kings as Sacramento defeated Brooklyn 153-121. New York down Utah 118-111. Chuck Freeman. Thanks, Chuck. From Utah, the New York Knicks are traveling to Denver, Colorado for Wednesday night's game against the Denver Nuggets. Denver's two-time league most valuable player, Nikola Jokic, will not play in the game. Jokic has entered the NBA's health and safety protocols, and he's been ruled out of this evening's contest. Jokic becomes the 10th player to enter the league protocols this season. NBA players are not required to undergo regular COVID-19 testing this season, but there are certain situations where they must be checked for COVID-19. Examples of when players must be tested include when they are exhibiting any symptoms or when someone in their household tests positive for COVID-19. Nikola Jokic is currently averaging almost 21 points, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists through 13 games this season. This is Sonus Sports. VOA brings you the best in African music on the African beat. African Beat showcases the latest and the greatest of contemporary African music. From bubu music to hip life, bonga flavor to sukus, Afrobeat to Ndombolo and Makosa to Kwaito. The African Beat on VOA has it all. And it's happening right here, Mondays through Fridays at 09.05 and 20.05 UTC right after the international news. Thanks, David. That's David Vandy, the host of the VOA's African Beat music show. Back on the World Cup beat, football fans in Senegal and Ghana are excited about their team's participation in the upcoming football jamboree in Qatar. My VOA colleague, Gwen Uten, has a sampling of comments from Senegalese and Ghanaian fans. Sporty World Cup greetings, Gwen. Sporty World Cup greetings, Sonny. Reigning African champions, the Taranga Lions of Senegal, are entering their second successive World Cup tournament as Africa's best hope in Qatar. But the squad will have to play the first games of the tournament without star forward Sadio Mane who suffered a leg injury during a Bayern Munich match in the Bundesliga last week. News of Mane's injury caused shockwaves across Senegal, but national team supporters remain confident that the Lions of Taranga still have a card to play in Qatar. VOA correspondent Sedina Abagaye spoke with World Cup fans in the capital, Dakar, about the country's chances in the upcoming tournament. Student Modu Nador says, while he's worried about Sadio Mane's injury, 
He believes Senegal will advance past the group stage. And supporter Makuri Agaye believes his country will make it all the way to the finals. Uh, Senegalese are certainly worried about Sadio Mane's injury, but that's not a reason to be afraid. We have good faith in our team and we believe that we will qualify for the second round. We are the best in Africa and the team is made up of only good players. We will definitely have a ranking problem, but LUCC is a qualified coach to handle the situation. My favorites are Germany and England, not Brazil. We want Senegal to win the cup, but it is not going to be easy because it is high-level competition. All the big football nations like the defending champion France will be there, but it is very possible that Senegal will win the competition. The potential is there. We have internationally renowned players like Sadio Mane, Kalidou Koulibaly. They have the level, plus they have playing time. Aliou Cisse will again lead Senegal in their World Cup campaign in Qatar. Cisse was the national team manager at the Russia World Cup in 2018. That year, Senegal became the first team in World Cup history to be eliminated from the tournament using the fair play rule. And to have a better outcome this year, shopkeeper Bamba Sao believes Senegal's success will be determined on how well Coach Cisse uses his young players. I have faith in this team, but my problem is Aliou Cisse and his choices. He cannot have new talented players and only count on the old ones. He must give playing time to these new ones so they can prove their worth in the national team. I'm more for a Seinin Jiang in goal. We have a very good team. It's just enough that Aliou Cisse does the right training and that he's a little more attentive to what the orders have to say. Senegal kicks off their World Cup campaign on Monday in their Group A opening match against the Netherlands. And while supporter Usmane Diop has a prediction for which two teams will play in the finals, Senegalese jeweler Mamba Mbap believes this year the World Cup trophy is coming home. Kalido Kolbali said it. They are going there not only for Senegal but to represent Africa and I am sure that with the status of continental champions they will perform. Here I think the team's objective must be to get out of the group stage and aim for the last four. It is possible because if you look closely our players are in very big teams and meet the best of this world on the pitch almost every weekend. But apart from Senegal, I would give Brazil and Argentina favorites, especially Albi Celeste with the released Messi. I see Argentina in the finals. I believe in this team, and for me, Senegal can bring back the trophy. I'm not like the others who talk about the round of 16 or the final. I believe in our victory. The team is in good shape. The players are performing well, like Bamba Dieng, Bolai Dia, and even Ilman Diai, who is coveted by big teams. I'm sure that if we go there with the same state of mind as during the Africa Cup of Nations, we can bring the World Cup back to Senegal. You heard it here first. Only three African countries have ever reached the quarterfinals in a World Cup tournament. Cameroon in 1990, Senegal in 2002, and Ghana in 2010. And in the past year, 
the Black Stars of Ghana have gone through three coaches in an effort to repeat their World Cup glory. Otto Otto has been chosen to lead the squad this year in Qatar. He served as a talent manager at German club Borussia Dortmund, but has no prior senior coaching experience. But Ghanaian World Cup fans tell VOA they have high expectations for the country at this year's World Cup tournament. My expectation is to see Ghana at the quarterfinals. Uh, I expect the Ghana Black Star to go as far as to the semifinal, God willing. If possible, we'll go to the final. I believe so. Because the preparation that has gone on, I believe Ghana will get to the finals. So I'm expecting them to do their very best to make us proud. We are just hoping for the best. We are just hoping for the best to qualify for the world. To be able to come out from the group stages and maybe get to the semifinals for the first time. 2022 World Cup is full of surprises. Come and give Ghana the needed support that we deserve. I'm sure Qatar will be wonderful. It's going to be fantastic. Ghana all the way. The Black Stars will play in a final friendly match against Switzerland on Thursday before they officially kick off their World Cup campaign in their Group H opener against Portugal next Tuesday. And that is all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. And that wraps up the November 16th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.